Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance, and today I am honoured to introduce world-renowned, critically acclaimed choreographer Wayne Eagling, who is the former Royal Ballet Senior Principal Dancer, the celebrated and beloved former Artistic Director of the English National Ballet, and previously Artistic Director of the Dutch National Ballet. Wayne has created an extensive body of choreographic work for top companies around the world from the Royal Ballet, La Scala, Rome Opera, Hong Kong Ballet, Kremlin Ballet, and of course, for the English National and Dutch National Ballets, whilst he was artistic director at the companies. One of Wayne's ballets, Remembrance, recently premiered on YouTube by the New English Ballet Theatre, which is luckily available to watch until the 15th of December. So make sure you add this to your calendar for a bit of Christmas season watching. Hi, Wayne. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, Savannah. Pleasure to see you again. So lovely again. So we talked about this before, but it would be great to get a, um, a bit of an insight into how your lockdown experience was and how you've been dealing with the COVID situation. Well, you know, I, I'm fortunate I have a, a, a lovely garden, so that's looking even lovelier with all of the time I spent there. And uh, I have a young son um, and I got to spend a lot of time with him and my wife. So it was a, a kind of a, a plus situation. I didn't, I, you know, I, I must say I, I, I didn't mind it at all. Uh, but I, as I said, I'm very lucky to have that, you know, that situation. Uh, of course, all, all the work I was going to do has been postponed. <laughs> yes, especially as we've now just entered here in the UK, another round of restrictions. And although we are seeing in this country ballets and, and dance companies starting to slowly return to the theatres, um, which is great because, you know, they, they are more in Germany and certainly not in the States as yet. But, of course, we are... We, or we have swiftly moved into this digital dance stage, yes. I guess. And uh, the um, premiere of Remembrance, having been on YouTube with the New English Ballet Theatre, it's quite interesting that, as you say, these dates that have been postponed have moved things also online. Tell me about Remembrance and how you've been working with the New English Ballet Theatre on this ballet. Well, uh, Remembrance, uh, Karen Pilkington, who, who's the wonderful uh, director of the company, uh, invited me to make the work, which was uh, from an original an original idea by uh, Greg Billingsley, um, which we adapted to try to make it more relevant to uh, to the English or UK audiences by basing it around the life of Mari Romber and her husband, who who was called up to the front. Um, and I had previously, uh, they had done, uh, a ballet of mine before. So I, I knew Karen and, uh, I kind of, I kind of jumped at the chance of doing, you know, an original piece to some beautiful music of Handel, which would not normally be my kind of choice of music. Yeah, it's, it's a very, um, uh, emotional, but quite a, a foreboding almost. It's a really interesting piece to, to revive for this work. 
Yes, well, you know, it's uh, Ode for St. Cecilia's Day, and it, it is a, a beautiful piece of music. When I first listened to it, I wondered how how we were going to to work the, the story into it, but, um, you know, Greg was, was very uh, uh, good at that, and by the time Greg and Karen and I had gotten our... our uh, Claws into it. We we I think we found a, a very good solution for the narrative of the ballet. And remembrance, um, as you mentioned, is based on the life of Marie Rombert and Ashley Duke. Tell tell yes. us a bit about their their love story and why you drew upon this for the ballet. You know, the original concept was for the two main protagonists to be sort of anonymous. So there was a woman and her lover who meet, who meet in the dance studio and he is called up and goes to war. And uh, in the original concept, of course, he was killed in the fighting, never came back. Uh, Ashley Dukes, of course, did survive the war. Uh, but Marie Romber was around at, uh, you know, at that that particular time um, and her her story is uh, you know uh, I think you know sort of like one of the principal founders of, of British dance so uh, you know the 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 link to her and the first world war and her and British dance uh, and you know, the, the story was perhaps a little bit less um, heartbreaking because uh, because of not, not having the actual loss. But in the end, I don't think that really matters because the rest of the ballet sort of portrays the loss felt by the people of you know the people left behind. That's that's really what we were trying to get. How terrible it was to be sitting at home wondering why, whether your loved one was alive or dead. It tells beautifully uh, through this narrative work, this universal story of love um, and separation during the times of war. And I love that you've drawn upon, upon Marie Rombert, as you mentioned, who founded one of the, well, the oldest uh, dance company in the UK, which is still, um, for listeners around the world, it still is in existence, um, Rombert. Um, Tell me about working with the company, New English Ballet Theatre. How did you rehearse with them um, this work? And when did that take place, given sort of where we are in, in COVID land? The concept of New English Ballet Theatre um, is to give dancers who are not working a, a chance of gaining experience and getting some money. And each year, the company auditions a group of about... 12 to 14 dancers and puts on original choreographer choreography by uh, different different uh, choreographers uh, mostly I would say new and up and coming I'm, I'm one of the older ones um, but it's it's a lovely concept to to do new work and to take it to to theaters to smaller theaters where but the larger companies like the Royal Ballet or uh, English National Ballet uh, would not go. Um, 
And so, you know, once, once you uh, audition the dancers, then you become a very close, close uh, knit group. I, I went to the auditions and, and, you know, helped choose the dancers. And, you know, you, you really get to know people. They, they range from 19 years old, uh, straight from school, never having danced to uh, Alessia, who was the, the lead dancer, who'd, you know, done, a, she was older and, and had a lot of experience. So it was a great mixture of experience and youth and, uh, but mostly enthusiasm, I would say. They were all just so happy to be able to work and have a job and, and do something. They must have felt quite privileged to be working with you on one of your original ballets. Um, what was what did they share with you about their experience of being able to learn your work and to be able to rehearse with you and to, to work with you? Well, I'm not so sure how many of them probably had never seen me dance and didn't know much of my my choreography, you know, uh, as is the way of young dancers today, you know. Um, the first thing I did say to them was, the way I like to work is, I come, I, I have an, an idea of what I, sort of what I want to do, but I don't. I know what I want to do, sort of with the music, but I don't, and I say, please, you've got to be part of the choreographic uh, makeup. You know, I want, I, I want you to, uh, I'm going to start you and then can you carry on? And it's a little bit like, I learned that from Kenneth McMillan. He, that's the way he would work, you know. He would, he would come in and he'd, he'd have an idea and then he'd say, I'd like you to start this. Can you do an arabesque? And then you would carry on. He'd go, I like that or I don't like that. Uh, young dancers today are a bit nervous, you know, they, they sort of wait for you to, uh, to do every, every step. Now, some choreographers like that, but uh, I found it didn't take long for them to be whizzing away and, and choreographing the whole ballet for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really enjoyable, and I must say, they, they all had the most fantastic work ethic you know, uh, and just because they, they were just so happy to be part of, of, of something uh, and not sitting at home. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, during these, during these times, it's great to have had that experience and then to be able to see it being premiered on YouTube, which, as you say, for many young dancers, yeah. this is, uh, you know, quite uh, an expected norm and think, uh, as we're moving through this time. Every, all the dancers very much moving um, into digital. But you mentioned there um, Kenneth McMillan. So, you know, this immediately takes us to your own career. You danced with the Royal Ballet for 22 years um, and you were a bit of a favourite, I understand, of Kenneth. And he sort of, you know, selected you. Tell me about um, your, you know, joining the company as a young dancer at the beginning of your career and what it felt like at that time for you? When I joined the company, the artistic director was Frederick Ashton. And then uh, Kenneth took over from, from Fred. And 
for some reason, he, you know, he took a shine to me. And, you know, I, one of the first things I did was walked into Barron's Court to the studio and I saw my name up to learn Romeo. And I thought, oh, my God. You know, so he, he did like me. And then the first ballet he did uh, when he was officially director of the Royal Ballet was a piece called Triad, which was created for Anthony Dowell, Antoinette Sibley, myself, the three leading characters. So, you know, I was, I was very lucky to be, to be able to, to work with somebody as, as genius like Kenneth. Uh, you know, and then late, later on my career to be able to, you know, but much less to work with Frederick Ashton. But I think Kenneth was really the person who was the most influence on me as, as a dancer, as a, a dancer that was not necessarily the typical prince. You know, I, 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 liked, I liked the more human roles, like Romeo, like uh, Prince Rudolph and things like that. I, I was less, less happy being a Siegfried. Onto something with but, a little uh, bit more, bit more drama, a little bit more character. Well, yes, more human, you know. More human, and uh, you know. So, I was, I was very lucky that uh, in my that point in my career that uh, Kenneth Kenneth was director, and of course, I worked with Norman Morris and Anthony Dowell as director. So. I spent my entire career at the Royal Ballet, which, you know, had, had the most fantastic uh, repertory. And uh, there was, I never felt the urge to, to go and uh, join another company. And what were some of your, um, some of the, the memories or the moments that you had working with Kenneth McMillan in the studio? Do you think about something that was, you know, sort of, Sits in your memory from those times. He he did give give you freedom, even if you were, for instance, when when he was choreographing uh, Manon. Uh, I was I was the second cast to Anthony Dahl, but you know I would be Jennifer Penny and I would be in the back and uh, fiddling around there, and, and he took an interest in what we were doing as well as what Anthony and Antoinette were doing. Um, I, when we did triad, I, I had a very bad foot and he had consulted the doctor that was looking after me. So the doctor said, make sure he doesn't do anything on his right foot. So <laughs> I, I, I spent a lot of time, Kenneth spent a lot of time trying to make sure, follow the doctor's directions. <laughs> oh, goodness. But, you know, I, I, I was fortunate. I, I danced. Uh, you know, so many of Kenneth's wonderful ballets. Uh, and of course, you know, what, what else he did? He brought in, he brought in Jerome Robbins and, and uh, you know, really, uh, you know, he expanded the, the, the look of the Royal Ballet, which a lot of people don't give him credit for, I think. But uh, lucky, for, lucky for me and lucky for all of us who were there at the time. You were certainly um, at the Royal Ballet at a time where we, you know, a bit younger, we, we sort of look back and, and, and uh, think, you know, this is quite a, a magical time for, for the company, as you say, with, you know, Frederick Ashton and then you've got Kenneth McMillan and you, you've, 
so many greats that you you danced with um, who have gone on to become, you know, the ballet greats of our time. Um, yeah. And you created a number of roles working with Macmillan. From your perspective, what did it feel like to be in the company? Did you did you sort of look around and think, you know, this is quite a special time or was it just your job? Was that just your life? A lot of people say, oh, it must have been fantastic, you know, that time that everything was happening, but it just felt normal. And, peop- you know, I th- when I joined in 1969, people said, oh, you know, you missed all the great years, you know, before. I think we, we were very lucky with uh, having both Kenneth and Fred uh, there as choreographers, but it, it didn't feel like it was abnormal, you know, just seemed this is the way it is. Uh, and I guess, I don't think we took it for granted, but it was, uh, you know, it was, all, it was always an excitement when it was announced that Kenneth was going to create a new ballet, was going to create, he was going to do Meyerling or, uh, you know, just Fred would come up and, and do uh, do a well at that point he was just doing one act ballets and things but uh, you know but it was a buzz you know Jerry Robbins is coming and Glenn Tetley is coming and so it was but it didn't seem it didn't seem historic yeah <laughs> which I guess, <laughs> I guess I guess that's what dancers you know younger dancers say to me oh. It was a. It was the best time. But I guess I guess people will say to them, "Oh, you were so lucky to be working. It was the best of your time." There is something magical about you saying, "Oh, Fred," <laughs> you know, in in yeah. such a in such a warm way, you know, in such a a friendly way. When of course, you know, we're talking about Sir Frederick Ashton here, and but that is, you know, it is magical for for us to hear that and to be able to imagine that closeness and to be able to imagine that time within the company and all, all working together. They could be difficult, you know, uh, because everybody that has that pressure of creation sitting in front of a, a studio full of people going, okay, genius, show us what you've got, you know, so there were lots of stressful times as well, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, Fred was Fred and Kenneth was Kenneth and Madam was always Madam. When I was in the Royal Ballet School, Nunette de Valois taught class every, every Wednesday, uh, boys and graduates class. And I used to get on the bus in Castlenote and she'd be on the bus going from Barnes, you know, you can almost not imagine it, and yet it's so. It's, it sounds so sentimentally beautiful. Um, what was she like as your teacher? She was, she was very, very tough on the girls, and she loved us boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, we could. Well, we got we got away with a lot more than the girls did. Well, but, yeah, uh, sounds, sounds like you may have got a slightly easier ride then. Yes, no, absolutely. She, she, was, she was very tough. And I always remember that even all the people that were dancers in the company when she was director, who were kind of directing us, Michael Soames and Kurt Larson, 
they were all, I must say, they, they had a very healthy respect for Madam, probably much more than, than us boys in her graduate class. <laughs> you know, they were a bit terrified. If Madam said, that's a glass of red wine, and it was white, you'd go, yeah, that's red. <laughs> Well, that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I think, you know, we all know the, the rigours of, of ballet training. Um, and throughout your, your time, you know, those 22 years with the company, you know, the company obviously went through a couple of different directors, as, as you have mentioned, and, and performing new ballets. Um, what was it like for you rising through the ranks of the company? Because, you know, you were a senior principal dancer, which is a role which the company doesn't currently have, um, which you actually, you know, came to quite early in your career. What did it feel like for you going through the ranks of the company? You know, my first year I was a spear carrier and uh, toad in Sleeping Beauty and all the usual quarter ballet stuff. And then uh, I must say my, my career took off really when... Kenneth came and his his concept was to really give the younger dancers a chance. Fred was a little bit, you let people take their turn. And so the younger dancers didn't get quite so much, not exclusively, but mm-hmm. but Kenneth really uh, let the younger dancers go. And, you know, I had a parallel career with David Ashmole and we both went up the ranks fairly, fairly quickly, you know, to the surprise of some of the, uh, other dancers in the company. Uh, so, you know, I became a principal dancer quite quickly. Um, you know, I was in, in, in that kind of group of people. It was David Wall, Anthony Dowell, uh, the, the two main stars. And, of course, Nuriev was always around. So even though I was a principal, senior principal, I was still in that little pecking order, you know, Rudolph had his shows, David had his shows, Anthony had his shows, I got mine, David Ashmore got his, and the younger dancers came, you know, started coming up, you know, people like, uh, uh, I'll think of it in a minute. Yeah. So, so you, just, you just threw in there, um, uh, Rudolph. <laughs> yeah. What was it like being at the company at the time where he was also at the company? As you say, you've got your, your pecking order, um, but that was quite the time for the company. Well, you know, Rudolf was, he was a guest artist, uh, but he, he, he appeared so much with us, you know, also we did his Bayadere and his Nutcracker. You know, he, he spent more time with the Royal Ballet than any other company. And, you know, I became great friends with Rudolf, you know, uh, if I was New York and he was there, I'd, I'd visit him at his house or in Paris. And, uh, you know, you just, you learn so much from somebody like Rudolf, you know, just the journey that he's, he's made, you know, and I was always impressed that he worked with Martha Graham. He, he made, you know, he worked with Paul Taylor. He made, he made the effort to go to these people to expand his horizon as a dancer, which we didn't do that in the Royal Ballet. You know, we were a little bit more insular. So, you know, Rudolf taught me that there's a whole world of dance outside of London, yes. <laughs> outside of England, you know. 
uh, you know, Rudolf, he danced everywhere in every style. So, you know, he was, he was a great, uh, wasn't a teacher, but you just learned so much from him. He was more of a guru, you know? Yeah, sounds absolutely amazing. After 22 years with the, the Royal Ballet, you left the company um, and became, went on to become the artistic director of the Dutch National Ballet. Tell me about that time in your life. I was the, the sort of union representative at the Royal Ballet, and I, I was having a hard time towards the end of my career. You know, people, uh, apart from an injury on my, my left ankle and things, uh, I was considered the kind of bad apple because I was the union representative trying to raise the, the, the standards for, for ballet dancers, not only in the Royal Ballet, but the whole of England, uh, which we managed to do with the help of Sir Donald Albury, of Albury Theatres. Um, but I was approached by... Uh, Dutch National Ballet, because they'd been, when Rudy Van Danzig resigned as artistic director, they, they did a, a year and a half long search uh, to find somebody. Uh, and they, well, long story short, they couldn't agree on who the final person should be. So somebody suggested me because I had danced with, uh, in the Netherlands, and I knew Rudy very well. And I had my own company every summer. I would take, started with two people, ended up with 25. I would take, so I had experience of running a company and experience of labor relations. And I had choreographed, choreographed Frankenstein for Covent Garden, Beauty and the Beast. <coughs> and I went... I went over with no expectations and uh, I met and they offered me the position. Um, and so, you know, my, my time was finished at Covent Garden. Uh, so I, I, I went and I spent 15 years. I was uh, uh, at that stage in my career where I was, it was, it was getting more difficult to, to dance the main principal roles. Uh, and I was, I just turned 40. And uh, so they, they offered me the job and I, you know, because I knew Rudy Van Dancy very well and, and the company, company was rather large. It was like 91 dancers. I think at the time the Royal Ballet was 75. So it was, it was a big, uh, a, a big classical dance company, and uh, you know I, I jumped at the chance, and I, I spent uh, I spent you know a lot of nice times there. You know, in the end, in the end, I had problems with the chairman of the board and things like that. But uh, that sort of comes with the job of being a director, you know, uh, no matter where you are. But, you know, I, I'm very proud of what we did at, uh, when I was there. You know, uh, the first year I was there, the company uh, was doing Peter Wright's Sleeping Beauty. Um, 
And my main goal was to to make the company as well better than the Royal Ballet. That was my aim. That's quite the aim, isn't it? <sighs> you know, it was it was a fabulous company. I, I tried to yes. to make it to really strengthen the the ranks and and to uh, to pass on what I had learned from Kenneth and and from people. And you know, I tried to. It had it had the biggest balancing repertory outside of New York City Ballet, which was you know I always loved balancing. Uh, so there was that. They had you know all the works from. Rudy Van Danzig and Hans Van Manen and Tor Van Schaik, which people in outside of, of Holland, you know, what Germany they know, but in uh, in England, people hardly, you know, hardly knew the Dutch choreographers. Uh, Rudy did a piece uh, for the Royal Ballet when I was there. Rudy Van Danzig um, and Hans Van Manen, of course, created four Schumann pieces. Uh, on Anthony Dowell, Jennifer Penny, Leslie Collier, and myself. But that was all they knew. So the Dutch National Ballet had huge uh, credentials, but was not that well known. So I was, my idea was to make it, you know, put it on the same level as the Royal Ballet in, in terms of, of recognition, you know, Bolshoi, Kirov, you know. And I'm pleased to say, you know, I... I I was the third director. It was Sonia Gaskell, Rudy Van Danzig, myself, and now Ted Branson. So it's, it's had four directors in its time. And I must say, Dutch National Ballet is one of the very top companies in the world. And, you know, I, I, played, I played my part in that. So, you know, I, I was very pleased. Yeah, it's definitely one of the, the top companies of the world. They are one of my favorite ballet companies in the world. I think they're absolutely exceptional. And after yeah. your 14 years there, then you moved back home to and went to the English National Ballet. Tell me about yes, that transition. I, yes, you know, the, the, the company, uh, well, it's had so many directors, the English National Ballet, but uh, the director before me was Matt Skoog, and I think the one before that was Derek Dean, uh, and not many, not many directors last long. I think Beryl was the only one that kind of survived. Uh, but uh, you know, I applied for the job, and 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 uh, they they liked it. They they saw what I had done at Dutch National, so I I tried to apply the same thing and and tried tried to have the same philosophy that English National Ballet should have the same recognition as the Royal Ballet. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's got fantastic repertory, fantastic dancers. There was only 60, 64 dancers in the company when I took over, and I reduced that down because we were in the company was in terrible debt. Uh, but in the, the years that I was there, managed to uh, put the company in the black, have a, you know, a working fund for doing new full evening ballets every two years and took it out, took it into the black for, you know, and, uh, 
I must say, with the help of the dancers working extremely hard, because when you when you reduce the size of a company, it puts a stress on all of the dancers. So, but uh, of course, it's a touring company, so they're working so hard. In any case, oh yeah, yes. I mean, you know, it's a it's a lot harder not to have a home theater and to uh, and to be on tour all the time you know in some some ways it's fantastic because it gives you more opportunities for people to do things but everybody is working twice as hard and you know people are dancing with injuries and you know you're you're putting on a ballet and you're having to uh, find ways of putting on a full length ballet with 15 people missing um, my goodness you know you're you're away you're away from your home and when you come back to london you, you don't have your own home theater that's something i tried very hard to to see if we could move into the coliseum as mm. the along with the english national opera not a new idea i know peter shalf has said the same idea but never never seemed to to happen which is a shame um but you know, I had I had uh, I had the same sort of experience at uh, English National Ballet that working with the dancers. Some dancers didn't like it uh, because it was harder work than they were used to, and other dancers loved it. So, but <coughs> I think I think in my time, the you know the company did a lot of great things. Uh, <coughs> I tried to. Uh, encourage younger choreographers. I brought David Dawson in to do a piece and uh, we, long time ago, we did our all-female choreographers evening. Uh, you know, happily, Jenna Lee is, is still choreographing things and, you know, I've always been interested in trying to develop choreographers. And you had also, uh, I think you did the, an earlier version or an internal version of the emerging dancer that the company still does. Is that right? Well, yeah, we created that, yes. Yes, you created many a project while you were at the company that have been well, yes, taken forward, know, to, which is fantastic. To give the, you know, trying to give the company a bigger profile. So emerging dancer, my first ballet, dance for Parkinson's, you know, so all of those things uh, highlighted the, the work that the company was doing and, uh, you know, uh, gave it a, a much higher public profile. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're still going and, you know, and getting better and better all the time. Absolutely. And as the as a choreographer for the company as well, tell me about the, the works that you created while you were uh, with the English National Ballet. Well, when I joined, my contract said I wasn't allowed to choreograph. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting, considering you were already a choreographer at the time. I know. Well, that was the contract. So, uh, you know, they they... At their convenience, they changed that. But, uh, you know, I, uh, of course, I, the Nutcracker originally was going to be the, the 
version that Tor van Schaik and I created in Holland. And at the very last minute I had Tor over, the very last minute they said they, they didn't want to do, they wanted me to do it all because the production that uh, Tor and I did was too big and it was too expensive and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it, it caused a, a lot of problems because all of a sudden I had to put on a, a nutcracker in a, in a very short space of time. Um, uh, and, of course, I'm very proud of the one that Tor and I did because I think it's a uh, you know, pretty special one. Um, so I, I did that. I created a piece that we did at Festival Hall. And what was that called? I keep calling it. To the Rooket Leader of... Uh, Marlow's Rooket Leader. In Amsterdam, I did the Rite of Spring and I mm -hmm. did a couple of other, couple of other pieces. Uh, uh, I, I choreographed more in Amsterdam. But looking back at your time with the English National and um, with all these programs you developed and young choreographers that you have uh, or had um, helped, you know, to create the new works and to help get their their sort of first opportunities um, within their careers, careers that have gone on to become very, very esteemed and well-established um, choreographers today. When you look back um, over your time with the English National Ballet, what stands out to you as um, something that is really memorable for you, something that um, uh, is really special for you? It's interesting you talk about the choreographers because I was, I, I was very much focused on that in, at the beginning in Dutch National. You know, so David Dawson was, I gave him his first opportunity. Christoph Pastor, who now runs uh, the Polish National Ballet, Ted Branson, of course, Annabel Lopez, her first piece for me uh, in the workshop. And I tried to carry that on. I mean, Jenna Lee, uh, Stina, who, Stina, I, I can never pronounce her last name. Well, she's, she's uh, one of her pieces is being performed by the English National Ballet in yes. their reunion. Um, Stina Quadbar, uh, you know, so, you know, um, I, I always tried to, to make it the space available. I mean, we used to do in Dutch National Ballet much more because... We had our own theatre and our own space, so we would do three, if not four, workshops a year. Whereas English National Ballet, much to my regret, you know, we had much less time. We only had the, the big studio at uh, J Muse, and, and we were touring the rest of the time. So uh, had much less success in, in uh, helping young choreographers uh, come forward. But having said that, I, I don't think that, um, that what you have done and what you did achieve can, can be understated. And as you mentioned, the company didn't have a home and they've just moved into their new home in East London. Um, and no doubt that will help. It will change the company as they have one unifying building that they can be to grow in and to, to flourish in. I haven't been there. I, I mean, I, I understand it has its own theater, uh, small space, but you know, the, the big thing is to have your own theater. 
that's even if it's you know uh, you know when it started out with Nanette and and Lillian Bayless, you know, going to the Saddlers Wells. That was you. You've got to have a home that you perform at, and I'm sure the the, the new studios, you know, are fantastic. They've got much more space, a lot more studios, certainly more uh, opportunities to do things. But it's it's still not still not a theatre and. I think all the companies that I see that seem to thrive, you know, not that EMB is not thriving, but they're all associated with the theatre. Something that gives and them a grounded stage, somewhere where their audience know that this is their, their theatre home. Yeah, you know, and it's great to have modern facilities. I'm sure that, that, that makes... Uh, uh, gives you more opportunities, and there certainly be more opportunities somewhere like that to to do more encouragement of young choreographers and and new works and things. So so hopefully that will that will work out. So now as we sit at home um, waiting for dance to return or seeing it just starting to return. Um, and what are you looking forward to in this moment? Um, you've got the the premiere that's just occurred of the New English Ballet's Theatre's Remembrance. What what else are you sort of looking forward to during this time? We were going to be doing my uh, uh, jeu, New English Ballet Theatre, at the uh, Linbury, but that that hopefully will happen sometime in the future. I, you know, it depends on what the what happens with the, the royal ballet uh, in the meantime i'm i'm working with new english ballet theater on on a, a project to to do in outdoor arenas for next year the end end of next year uh almost pop shows you know that's something that i'm you know actively discussing at the moment to see to see if we can make it happen um and apart from that, you know, I, because it's difficult to travel, it's very difficult to to go and uh, see. You know, I've I've got my Nutcrackers in uh, Japan and Helsinki and Warsaw and Budapest, uh, but I can't really go because you need yeah. to quarantine for two weeks before I go. So I'm I'm leaving all of that in the very capable hands of all of the companies. And how does that uh, feel for you, just sort of, you know, leaving it to, to, well, you know, to fly it's, on its own, I guess, or to soar? Because, because the companies do them every year, uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident with the ballet masters and the, and the staff that, you know, things don't get lost and changed. So, you know, uh, I'm I'm sort of okay with it. Uh, I always ask if they could send a video just so I can have a look, but uh, that's okay, you know. And I, I'm happy that uh, you know English National Ballet is going to be doing a version of the Nutcracker uh, this this Christmas. Yeah, you know, very excited by uh, that. Well, it's going to be you know. I, th I think it's it's good to to keep going, keep trying. It, you know, obviously, it's going to 
not gonna it's not gonna make money like the normal da- normal one does but you know it's it's good that they're going to to make the effort to to bring live dance to the theater i was talking to the director and you know there's there's a bubble here and a bubble there and then there's a double bubble and then a boil and trouble bubble and a <laughs> one way systems and staggered yeah, so, studio times and split company classes you know, so, and so you know hopefully the the dance going public will feel confident enough to go and and uh, and and see the performances and as you say you know everybody's so used to video now you know uh, all my friends who are teachers were teaching on zoom and doing things on tiktok and you know the same as the new english ballet theater putting out luckily we filmed it you know so we're, we're able to put it out which is great uh, because you know small companies like that that don't have a theater with cameras set up it's a very expensive proposition to to make a, a, a television broadcast you know where again if you have your own theater like the royal ballet they've got all you know the cameras are there it's all hooked up and it's uh, makes life a lot easier yeah absolutely and, and of course they've just had but their you know, you know live performance you know, yeah which yeah. which went out to you know live people paid and a lot of people watched it from around the world which is a, quite a this is a new thing you know having audiences pay to watch online it's great well i mean during the first lockdown it was all free so you you wonder how many people want to pay in the end mm, this But is you true know, you know savannah when when i joined the royal ballet we used to tour can you believe it we used to go on tours all around england we'd go to liverpool and manchester and nottingham and and i you know i guess it's one of the consequences of just being able to do a a live stream that people don't get to see the the dancers up close you know and there's nothing I mean, there's nothing a, like seeing dance live really i mean it's great well, having you know, it online yeah it's a big dilemma because you know we always had discussions about what about the taxpayer in Burmi- in in Birmingham who's paying for the royal ballet but could never afford to go and see them and they don't we don't go you know the company doesn't go to Birmingham or or Nottingham or Leeds anymore <clears throat> and then you're up there thinking well what am i spending the money for so it's 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 always you know this whole subsidy thing and maybe the way around it is you know be you know people getting more modern you just you have a look at your 74 inch screen and go well this this is just as good i don't know <laughs> for those who have their 74 inch screens they are very popular these days but it's not quite the same <laughs> i think i might need one of those for all of this online dance that those are uh, coming our way but you know as we've looked to the future um you know you, you mentioned you joined the royal ballet back in 1969 yeah. many a year ago and you've had this incredible career as a you know a, acclaimed dancer with one of the top companies working with the ballet greats and the the iconic choreographers um and then you have led 
two of the most exceptional companies in the world, Dutch and the English, and now creating works for other companies and continuing to. Um, what about your legacy? What? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Not just, you know, yes, you've, you, you give and have given and will continue to create new ballet works. But what does the legacy feel like for you? What's important to you? Well, you know, you're soon forgotten unless there's videos of you. You know, I mean, you know, people, you know, unless there's, you know, you, you end up with the status of Nijinsky or Pavlova, where there's hardly any, you know, Nureyev has so much film of him, so people can still sort of see so there's there's a, some films of me but you know most most young dancers will never maybe they'll have seen me on youtube doing you know one of you know one of the nice things i did with fred was uh, the voices of spring for deflator mouse so that every so often I, I that pops up when somebody says just thought i'd put this up to cheer you up you know <laughs> oh that's lovely uh, um you know, and, you know, I've, I've made a, quite a few ballets. I made a lot of ballets in Italy for Carlo Fracci and uh, less in, in England. Men, Why Men I did for ENB and, uh, you know, I've recreated other things. So in Japan, you know, I've got the Nutcracker and Sleeping Beauty. So when I go to Japan, you know, I'm, because it's sort of current, people go, oh, Mr. Eaglin, but... Uh, you know, the legacy, funny enough, if you go back to New York and you go into the Met, there's still people there with their binders and they go, and you go in 20 years later and they go, oh, Mr. Eaglin, can you sign this photo for me? You know, it's oh, like, that's so nice. And well yeah. deserved, of course, my goodness. Yeah, you know, it's, it's difficult to know how you will be remembered. You know, I think I'm, I'm comfortable with uh, how I worked certainly as a director making the companies I worked with better than better better than when I joined them you know uh, and uh, with a work ethic that uh, sort of carried on as a dancer you know I enjoyed my time dancing much more than I did being a director oh, really? because it's just you oh yeah because you only have to worry about you and you 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 know when you're a director you're you're waiting for people to step up to the plate uh as a choreographer you're you're more creative than being a dancer but as a dancer you you have a creativity of of the actor and, and the role but you know the, the most joyous times were doing a fabulous performance and having you the know. audience responding to that or just being in that performance. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing nicer than, you know, finishing a show and feeling you've done a good job and walking out in front of the curtain and taking a bow and feeling the, the warmth from an audience who really appreciated what you did. That's because I'm sort of more of a physical person, I guess. Than I, I, I was, uh, I think I mentioned this to you before, but I... I was uh, doing a little bit of a YouTube and I was watching um, a, 
a scene from Romeo and Juliet, the balcony pas de deux, which you did with Alessandra Ferry, um, yeah. which was which is on YouTube. And for all listeners, go and have a, a look at this because it's so beautiful. And I can just imagine at the end of this particular performance, which was in 1984, that you must have had an you know a, a wonderful response from the audience when you were taking your curtain calls because it was so beautiful to watch even now. It was just stunning. Well, you know, we recorded that in front of a television audience, so it wasn't a proper audience. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, they filmed us live, but the, the music was recorded by the orchestra and then, uh, so, and then they filmed it live on the stage, but, because in the cameras in those days needed, they had to they had put special lights and things. So there was like half an audience there, but they did a good job of making it look like it was a. Yeah, they they did quite different from today, where you know the theatres are set up for these live relays and these you know live yeah. performance recordings, which are you know amazing yeah. to be able to capture, but quite different in the day. One of the other things that I that was great fun is the first night of Frankenstein at the Opera House, because that was, that was such a surprise that uh, uh, a success it was with the, because I was, I was always worried about, I said, I, I said to Van Gelis, I said, we've got to blow the audience away. Uh, and uh, that first night of uh, Frankenstein was, was very special. Very special party afterwards as well, you know. <laughs> so. All the dancers back backstage or at the bar later. Oh wait, no, we all went to Van Gelis's flat, you know, and the, you know, it was uh, it was like a who's who of, you know, I had, I had so many friends, and I, you know, the Emmanuels had done the costumes and Van Gelis, and so we we had Ridley Scott and the. Uh, Boy George, and you know, it was it was just it was it was absolutely. Even Lionel Blair's sister was there. What a nice lady <laughs> she was! That was my choreographic uh, uh, special, you know, special special time. Wow! So so many special times, Wayne. Um, I think, you know, we could sit here for hours and cataloguing all of these incredible experiences that you have had throughout this. Savannah, let's do do part two. Yes, I have to do part two, my goodness. I need to hear about these parties. It sounds absolutely amazing. So then my final question will be um, for today's part one, Um, particularly in this challenging time. What advice would you give to dancers who are going through this period? Because you've been the artistic director and you've worked with so many different types of dancers and working with dancers from the New English Ballet Theatre who are quite young, as you mentioned, and perhaps having their first job or many dancers whose jobs are no longer there. What advice do you have for them? Well, you know, I'd say to all the dancers in big established companies, be very thankful that you're not freelance. Be very thankful that, you know, that uh, you've been given the opportunity to be furloughed and still have a job. And, uh, you know, and think of, think of all your colleagues who are not in that position. Um, 
and you know just stay strong and really just wait it out until it until it uh, you know there's not much you can do unless everybody works together to uh, to get over this virus and, and you know even the experts don't agree on how how it's going to happen and i just t- take each day as it comes and but do think of your colleagues you know i i that's something being freelance myself you 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 really see the more established companies they're they're a very privileged position to be in in this this difficult time you know and i'm not just talking you know not just the arts but in you know everybody in the entertainment section the people who work in the bars and Absolutely. you know the ticket you know they they're having a absolutely horrible time and if you're lucky enough to be a dancer in in a big established company and you're able to go and do class in the studio just just say thank you absolutely that's wonderful words thank you so much for part one wayne i really appreciate it and i just want to do a shout out again just because i want people to see remembrance by the new english ballet theater which as i mentioned is available on youtube so it's sorry new english ballet theater's youtube so just go and google that um, on youtube and it's available until the 15th of december and check out the new english ballet theater's instagram and there'll be details there as well. Thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.